everybody. Hello. How you doing, Amanda? This is the Andy and Amanda Show. Andy Kimball here in the USA. Amanda Love all the way across the ocean, the Atlantic Ocean and the UK. This is the Andy and Amanda Talk Radio Show. It's the free flow and freaky Friday program. What we just heard yep. was um, our special guest who's going to be joining us in about 30 minutes or so. Uh, the One of the pioneers of FM rock and roll radio, none other than Michael Pearson. And uh, he's going to be joining us. We're going to be talking about uh, his career in radio and what he's doing now. And uh, I, you know, uh, full disclosure, uh, I've met Michael years ago. We go way back. We're, we're kind of buddies and friends. And and uh, uh, even though we haven't mm-hmm. seen each other in a while because he's still back on the East Coast. And I'm not here, but he's a good friend and um, and uh, just a, a pleasure to have on the show. And, and what makes it even yeah. more unique is, is and I, I still again I've told him this. I when I, we're together and, and um I talked to him, I, I am a little starry eyed, I gotta be honest, I'll tell you why. <laughs> because when I grew up, you know, in, in outside of Philadelphia and an older brother who was more into the scene in Woodstock and rock and roll, he's a just a year and a half older than I am, but you know, he was into the um, the longer hair and you know smoking cigarettes back then and all the friends and hanging around playing folk guitar and blues and singing Neil Young and all that stuff. And now the younger brother kind of, and we all grew up to, uh, especially him and his friends. And I followed shortly thereafter, um, to listening to WMMR in Philadelphia and hearing Michael Pearson, uh, who was the, uh, the, he was the pioneer, uh, one of the pioneers. And he hung out with a guy uh, on the radio with a guy named Ed Shockey, who unfortunately died at an early age uh, years ago. And uh, Gene Shea, who just passed away, I think we mentioned that of COVID last uh, in April or May, somewhere around there last year. But it was Ed Shockey, Gene Shea, Michael Pearson, Luke O'Reilly. We'll have to ask Michael what happened to Luke O'Reilly. He was from your neck of the woods, Amanda, as I recall. And, and of course, Michael Pearson, he ran the uh, late night show. Well, he was actually 10 at night and then he went overnight and uh, uh, I might play this for uh, for Michael a bit later but um, but listen to this Jethro Tull from Benefit, nothing to say. Scotting on into the night, I'll read some news. Just a little over an hour left on a kind of a pleasant night. Says it's kind of cold, 2025, but it doesn't feel like that at all out there. Such nice lows. Sunny, windy, and mild. Partly sunny, windy, and mild today. Low to mid-50s highs. Well, the first votes of the 1972 presidential election campaign are in, all 17 of them, and 11 went to President Nixon in the New Hampshire Republican primary, in the Democratic primary. It would be funny if somebody was just tuning into the show right now and they heard that and they're listening to you know our show and they listen to his voices. First votes of the <laughs> 1972 election are in. Like, what the hell? <laughs> where we're at. <laughs> All right. Anyway, um, some stuff we got to get to before Michael joins us, of course. And, and Amanda, yeah. uh, hi. Good afternoon. Happy Friday to you. Thank it's you. it's uh, 
it's a happy hour here already. Well, it's just uh, afternoon and just after 7 p.m. there, but it does make it a happy hour. Of course, it's always happy hour yes. on the Andy Amanda Show. Our, our number here, folks, Hello. before we get started, is 515-605-9888. And you, of course, are welcome to join the show. And I pause because I'm thinking if I really meant that or not. Yeah, go. Yeah, you're welcome to join the show. Yeah, okay. yeah, I think yeah. you're all, Yeah, that's safe. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Call, call, call the show. Um, you don't like what we're saying or like what we're saying. You don't like the show or you love the show. Um, give us a call. You know, join the conversation. <laughs> Be the conversation. Take over the show as far as we care. Uh, 515-605. Yeah, you know, 605-9888. You can also email us, and we'll send you back a link to join us over the Internet anywhere in the world at andyandamandashow at gmail.com. That being said, Amanda, how are we doing, and what's going on over there in your corner of the world? I'm doing very well, Andy. Very well. It's been a, a very awesome week. And uh, get ready for the weekend, and uh, yeah, all the all the um, Firstly, before I do the news, how about you? Just want to check that you know, good with you. You're, you're you're breaking up a little bit, so it sounds kind. Of, I can interpret and, and pretend that I can that I knew what you were asking me, and um, about something about my love life, my, my something like that. My how, how's my <laughs> am, am I getting any? You know what? Uh, Something like that. Uh, you're breaking up. You're breaking so, up pretty good. That's all I can hear. Really, was just little bits and pieces. So I'm just interpreting what you, what you probably were saying or asking. Okay. I still got, still got the problem. Uh, yeah, a little bit. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. Okay. Hang on. Um, I think what the best to do is sweetheart. I can. Um, I know. Get tight and come back in again. Yeah. Try. Try. Just try that. Just try that. I'll. I'll keep. I'll okay. keep our fans busy in the meantime. I'll tell them all the, uh, those little. Uh, okay. Those little Secrets yeah. you and I have, I'll, I'll reveal them while you're, while you're zooming back in. Yes. Try it, Amanda. This is the internet. Just so our, yeah, go ahead, Amanda. Try that. But, folks, this is uh, our an internet show, and Amanda is uh, in the UK. I'm in the US, and sometimes we do have technical issues uh, just having to do with the internet, and maybe this is program advances and capability and finances and, and technology will be able to improve that, expand the program, expand our reach and our publicity and get more people on board. That's what our, we're trying to do here. And we're looking to grow the show, folks. In all honesty, we're going to have a Patreon account set up soon so people can donate, support what we're doing here, and, and um, hopefully we'll be able to use that money to, to add to our technical capability on the Internet and present the show uh, as we do around the world and also help us market and promote the show because we've, we've, got, we've received some phenomenal um, uh, complaints. No, uh, <laughs> we've received some <laughs> phenomenal complaints. Uh, uh, compliments on the show and comments, and even from our guests who who've been on lots of shows, who join our show, who tell us afterward that they really have enjoyed the experience. And we're and we're not patting ourselves on the back. I'm just repeating what we what we what we get back, and because we have no idea what we're doing. We, I think that probably what makes the show what it is really part partly is because we're, you know, we kind of started this thing on a on an idea that you know we like to go out to the world and. And talk about the truth and comment on on what's really going on in the world, what the sources of the news stories are, and kind of went on from there and started this uh, twist that Amanda and I seem to put together over the over the almost uh, you know many many months that we've been on, and and year, it'd be a year in April since we started the Coast to Coast show here. Um, wow. But yeah, so we're we're looking to grow this show, and we're going to be talking uh, to you folks and and to others about. Uh, 
supporting our program um, by, by digging into your wallets and pocketbooks and accounts for a couple of dollars here and there uh, would be to, and you know, I'm just come out and say it, you know, because we, we talk about it off the air and say, you know, we really should start a Patreon. We really should start a GoFundMe. We get Kickstarter. And if you don't talk about it, it ain't going to happen. So, folks, that's that's what we want to do. That's where we're going. And, uh, Cornell uh, Butler, who's our show coordinator, keeps uh, saying, Andy, go out there and just do it. You know, we got to make this work. Just, just don't be shy. Stop being so shy about these things. I'm like, okay, Cornell. Okay, I'll try. I hate asking for money. Please, no. please, we need some money. Please, please. <laughs> <laughs> yes, please, sir. Yes, can I have some more? As a matter of fact, you know, and that's support. You know, we're bringing guests on, like Mark Lester. He's coming back on. We're gonna uh, I'm, next week or the week after. I got to give Mark a call. He's going to come back on the show and talk to us uh, about what he's been, not just his acting career, but more like what he's. He is a get a high degree in expertise in wellness in in, in remediating uh, physical pain. Uh, he's in osteopathic medicine there, in, in a, right in close to where Amanda lives, actually. Um, and Mark right, is yeah. going to be yeah, and Mark and he was a phenomenal guest and talking about being starry eyed. Mo, I, I, I was the same. <laughs> yeah. And so approachable. I mean, we talked about getting together here in LA when he comes, you know, and this is all, you know, post COVID, he's going to be coming to the US with his wife. They, they got uh, his wife has family in Texas and they're going to be coming to Texas and they're going to Vegas and they're going to come here and we're going to get to hang out a bit in LA. And, uh, and what a great guy he is. Mark, you know, he's going to be a great friend uh, of the program and hopefully a, a regular contributor uh, to the show as we move ahead in the area of, of well-being and wellness. And, and, of course, we're going to always talk to him about Oliver. How can you not happy? And was, by the way, Oliver, and I, I don't want to make this all about Mark Lester again because he was a guest, and you know, we'll do that again when he's on again. But just real quick, um, Oliver, just so we know, we keep talking about him being on Oliver, that he's been in, uh, in other movies as well. So. Oliver's not his only theater, yeah. theatrical conquest. And Mandy, you're sounding better now. And, and now let's um, let's go back to where we were before we were so rudely interrupted by the internet. Um, I know. Yeah. Okay, sweetheart. So, so um, firstly, uh, happy weekend, everybody. Let's get this uh, this started. So it's officially Red Nose Day in the UK. That means many people in the UK punch each other on the nose and to make them as red as possible as a, as a way of, like, releasing aggression. No. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Don't take mm. it seriously. Mm. <laughs> However, we all celebrate today here, which celebs join together on a, a TV special, which runs over several hours, performing music, uh, comedy sketches, interviewing the public, um, one big charitable event raise money for in need. So people all over the UK create events and challenges to raise money, store sell products for the charity also, so it's a nationwide effort. Every year it's a beautiful thing. So, you know, a lot of people go around, they buy these red plastic noses to put on, or the uh, schools used to do fancy dress, so you would go in wearing something that represents Red Nose Day. It, it's a beautiful thing, beautiful celebration. Um, so moving on from that, I hope all the charity um, gets an amazing amount of money tonight and um, I hope that everybody enjoys themselves and the experience. Moving on to the COVID situation. So the UK has seen a four-week delay in a shipment of the AstraZeneca vaccine doses produced by the Serum Institute of India uh, mm. that were coming into the country mm. directly from India. 
So according to a spokesperson from the Serum Institute, we had a delivery of 5 million doses a few weeks ago, and another 5 million was meant to be delivered in March, but um, a time was not stipulated for the delivery. So um, even though the vaccine rollout has been slightly lower, uh, slower even, <laughs> it hasn't been slower in meeting the, the target that the government set out for administering a first dose to all people aged 50 and over uh, by 15th of April and all adults by the end of July. So that's looking good, even with that slowdown. And supposedly mm -hmm. anyone awaiting their second dose should have a complete confidence that they will have it um, for sure. So around 25 million have had their first dose and around 1.7 million have so far had their second. Uh, also, the EU's regulators have finally given the go-ahead for the astronomical, no, sorry, wait, AstraZeneca, Andy, it's captain, um, vaccine to be administered in several EU countries, including Germany, France, Italy, and Spain. And apparently there isn't enough supply of vaccines to battle a third wave in Europe. Um, I think everyone's anticipating a third wave at the moment, Andy. Uh, so wow. Wow. Yeah. That's because not good. basically, I know, right? I know it's not good at all. Mm. Um, mm. France has been hit hard, okay? They've got 35,000 new ones within the past 24 hours and will be entering a new lockdown which will last a month. Uh, their prime minister has said that a third wave was looking increasingly likely. Um, Paris seems to be taking a huge hit and are very concerned as 1,200 people are in intensive care which is more than Jeez. the peak of the second wave in November. Um, their lockdown will not be as strict with people being allowed to go outdoors and exercise within six miles of their home. People will not be able to travel to other parts of the country unless having a valid reason. Those in affected areas will have to fill out a form to explain why they left their homes and schools will stay open. Um, and France's na nationwide curfew will remain in place and will begin an hour later at 7pm to account for the hours of daylight. Um, so, yeah, the coronavirus levels in, in the UK are falling uh, across England and Wales, which is, which is great. That's a great sign. And they're levelling off in Northern Ireland, but increasing in Scotland, less Scotland. Um, and in the sporting world, we could see the use of vaccine passports there, as we've discussed in previous shows, um, as a safer way of allowing a mass amount of people in stadiums watching sporting events. And this doesn't surprise me or you, Andy, right, considering they no, are planning right. for other areas. So, right. yeah, I think we're going to see that definitely coming in, sweetheart. So we shall see what happens there. Um, mm. That is the rundown, my darling. How's uh, our Prince Philip doing there? How's he? Is any news there? Is he you still? Know, he's still. I haven't read or seen. I've looked at the BBC myself. No. I, yeah, I haven't either. I, I do check the BBC regularly, but yeah. I haven't seen anything about him. So I'm assuming he's, you know, he's at least stable. Uh, the Corona cases, yeah. uh, and Amanda, as, as you were saying, in the UK, there's uh, yesterday 94 deaths uh, in the USA, mm. 1,705 deaths. Um, wow. In the in the UK, there's been 4,280,000, almost 281,000 cases. Uh, and 125,925, it's almost 126,000 people have died in the UK, 552,000 yeah. 
470 people have died in the USA of COVID-19, and new deaths yesterday were 1,705. And as we've said, and these are, you know, again, I've said time and time again, and as I've said before, I'll say it again, uh, I'm not going to stop saying this, that when we repeat these numbers, we've got to remember, we cannot lose the fact that we're talking about individual human lives, moms, dads, brothers, sisters, uncles, aunts, uh, who've had lives, who've celebrated birthdays and Christmases and careers and hiked and traveled and had family and and, and the trials and tribulations of, of what life brings to it and, and you know all the things that come along with life and their lives have ended because of this tragedy. 552,000 people in the USA thus far. I mean, unbelievable. Um, wow. The total deaths... Um, has been uh, two million people, almost three million, two million seven hundred seven thousand three hundred sixty people have died. Uh, Ninety-eight million eight hundred seventy-six thousand people recovered from COVID nineteen. Of course, the you know the amount of people recovered, uh, two million people died. Ninety-eight million recovered. Still, two million seven hundred seven thousand is is unacceptable. Well, one person yeah. is unacceptable. That's something yeah. that that probably could have been not entirely prevented, but but reduced if if we had <clears throat> been more. Uh, cautioned and prepared, and uh, um, uh, you know, protected ourselves <laughs> out of the gate with appropriate warnings. Yes. yes. But anyway, uh, you know yes. what else is happening? I got to tell you, Washington Post revealed the, uh, not revealed, but reported uh, something that's been going on in uh, in quite a bit of the news now, actually, um, which is the, um, which is what? I don't know. <laughs> let people guess right yeah anyway moving right along um, (laughs) (laughs) there's been a report which has been declassified and i want to repeat declassified report that was classified when trump was still in office all right so this is not new report this is a report that was uh in the hands of of trump administration officials and donald trump himself before joe biden's inauguration all right, so when Biden was still president, the uh, yeah. the director of national intelligence put out a report um, on um, what really what foreign adversaries did to try to influence the election and how exactly they did it. And uh, uh, this one got a lot more attention because this was about uh, a real attack on our country that was pitched an attempt to target uh, specifically, and that. Um, hits a lot of buttons in our politics. Of course, we know that. We've talked about it. Everybody has. Um, We um, assess that Russian President Vladimir Putin authorized um, a range of Russian government organizations uh, to conduct um, influence operation aiming at uh, denigrating President Biden's candidacy and the Democratic Party supporting the former uh, President Trump and undermining public confidence in their electoral process. This was a a full multi multi page thick report um russia came back and did it again folks and we mentioned this in the last show russia came back and did it again in 2020 and uh, um if they had done it as we all know um in 2016 um and uh, this ends up being important almost more important uh, as we uh, can also assess that china did not deploy interference efforts and considered uh, um, which was considered, you know, by by a lot of Trump folks that, that China was interfering. That you know, in interview shows, I, I got some clips I should play too of that as well. But uh, of you know, people on interview shows and, and saying China, China, China. Um, 
But anyway, uh, but China did not really deploy influence efforts intended to change the outcome of the U.S. presidential election. So this is what the director of the National Intelligence published this week. And I, again, they published it this week. It was not ported this week. This, it was not completed and say, here's my report. The report was done in early January, and it was handed to the uh, appropriate Trump administration officials and intelligence agencies. It was complete in January. All the, all the Biden administration did – was declassified this report for public eyes about what they learned and concluded with wow. high confidence about the 2020 yeah. election, which that Russia did it again, like they did right. in 2016. Um, yeah. And, and, and that – and it happened. And um, hey, you know, I mean it, it actually happened. And what we might want to do, if I can find – I've got a bunch of clips that – that talk about uh, here we go. I've got them. Here we go. I want to play these clips, folks. Uh, these are just old clips. I think we may have played these from time to time on the show, but I want to do it again. This is uh, some interviews regarding what Trump administration officials were saying while they knew that China, and this is a fact, they knew that China had no bearing and influence on the 2020 election. They knew a report was issued to them in early January before Biden took office. Okay, it's important to make that very clear. All right, they knew this. Now, let, knowing the fact, knowing that, okay, knowing that, you know, I hope nobody has any questions about that. If you do, call us 515-605-9888 and tell us what you think to be true. But I'm going to play the truth for you right now. Here we go. Again, Is it Russia not just again? Russia. Well, look, we know it's China, Russia, China, and Iran. Which is the most assertive, the most aggressive in this area? I believe it's China. Which one? China. China more than Russia right now? Yes. Why do you say that? Because I've seen the intelligence. That's what I've concluded. Attorney General Barr said earlier this week that he feels China is being more aggressive in meddling in the election than Russia is. Do you agree with that assessment? Yeah, I, I agree with him 100 percent. The Chinese have taken the, the most active role, but, uh, but the Russians and the Iranians and, and other countries are involved in well, as well. So when it comes to elections and, and what the intelligence community has made very clear is that first you have China which has the, the most massive program to influence the, the United States politically. Um, some foreign governments have preferences about our elections and have taken or planned malign activities in support of their preferences, including efforts by China. China is using a, um, a massive and, and sophisticated influence campaign um, uh, that dwarfs anything that any other country is doing. Yes. So, folks, um, I was just online. Michael Pearson's with us. We're going to be getting him on the show in just a couple of minutes here, and we're so, so pleased to have Michael join us today. A lot to talk about. But before we uh, do, uh, I just want to um, just say that this, what we just heard in those news clips um, was all bullshit. It was all – it was all – they knew. They, they actually knew in January that, that China yeah. had nothing to do, had no bearing on the 2020 election that Russia did. And I just, you know, we, we just another name is we've we knew early on for this show as we talked about during the whole um, lead up to the election was, uh, you know, we like to call the show Truth Radio. You know, we don't we don't talk about what what Fox News or Newsmax or CNN or MSNBC or the BBC says. We we dive in to where those stories come from as much as we're capable of doing um, and comment on the on on that and. Um, yeah. So I just wanted to, you know, talk about that a little bit, and uh, you know, be very, you know, when this is going to, you're going to be hearing more about this, and um, um, it just yeah. goes, it's, it's yeah. more, it, 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 it speaks to more uh, about 
the, the Trump administration, what we've witnessed, what we've seen, what the lies have been, um, not just about the election being stolen, um, but now here's another story surfacing, and um, and I don't think we've come anywhere near hearing the end of it yet. So, um, so yeah, none of that is true. Uh, none of that was true when they said it, and they knew it. Uh, I mean, the intelligence community under Trump concludes that Putin authorized and arranged Russian government organizations to conduct and influence operations targeting our U.S. election, and uh, we can assess that China did not deploy interference efforts. So. Um, Anyway, I just want to there's, – there's some other news we're going to talk about. We'll get to it later in the show, but I'm really looking forward to bringing on our, our guest here. He's been patiently on hold, and I want to get him on board right now. And let's push the right button here. He knows a hell of a lot more about radio and what button to push than I do. Welcome, Michael Tiersen, to the Andy and Amanda Show. Hi, Andy. Pleasure to speak to an old friend. You bet. <laughs> Hello. You bet. Hello, Michael. Hello. That's, that's Amanda Love, who's speaking to us, Michael, in United in the UK, about two hours outside of London. Ah, hello, Amanda. <laughs> All the way from over the pond, sweetheart. Hello, sweetheart. <laughs> yeah, my, as doing, we said, uh, yeah, as we said earlier in the show, um, you know, um, Michael and I go back years, you know, and and I was I was telling the uh, our listeners, uh, Michael, that that you know I grew well, I went to high school and I was part of. Junior high and high school, I think, uh, or at least part of junior high, listening to you on WMMR in ev- almost every night of the week, and and hearing your voice. Now, you know, you want to become friends over the years, and hearing your voice now on our radio show is like, whoa. <laughs> well, it's my pleasure to be here. No. Yeah, those late nights on WMMR in the early '70s, particularly, I was on fire. I really was. the 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 best thing that can ever happen to an artist is to work in a form that is brand new and has no history and therefore no rules. So you are making it up as you go along. If you get it once, you're incredibly lucky. You get it twice or more, you're a genius. And I'm not a genius. (laughs) Well, I don't know. That's that's debatable. You know, Michael is one of the pioneers, uh, at least in Philadelphia, probably the pioneer with with a group. Uh, we'll well, talk about my those. first show was October twenty seventh, sixty seven, the first <laughs> album rock show ever on WXPN at the University of Pennsylvania, back when it was an all undergrad college station, not the effectively commercial station that it is now, where World Cafe emanates from. Mm. Wow. Mm. Unbelievable. Pioneer. So that was the first year that there was the form. So I do, frankly, consider myself one of the real architects of the form. And frankly, for late night people, I might have been the best in the country in the early 70s. Um, wow. As a listener, and, and I mean, you, you got to realize, folks, I'm, I'm from Philadelphia. We've talked about that many times and um, and grew up listening to Philadelphia radio. And when I was a kid, you know, uh, you'd and Philly radio my- was always great radio. Always great. Remember High Lit, you know, and uh, WIBG? Lit hired me at WDASFM after he left WIBG. Oh, my god! And gosh. that was my first job briefly before WMMR brought me in. In June of oh 70, I was at DAS from January till June. Wow. Holy sh- and, and Joe Niagara? Wasn't Joe Niagara? Um, yeah, I knew it, Joe. It, I, I basically got to know most of these folks through the broadcast pioneers of Philadelphia. Bill Wright is still with us, but mm. he's getting to be in pretty raggedy-ass shape. 
Bill Wright. I remember Ooh. Balakin was junior high school when I was a junior high school student. Bill Wright, and of course he was a big. He was like like you at WMR at the time. He was a you know big you know as we just said Philly radio was 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 always hot. And he was a big name then, and he came and gave a great big presentation to our junior high school, and then I remember that vividly. He was he was great. And, uh, well, we were lucky. Me. We were part of the Metro Media stations, which included WNEW-FM in New York, KMET in L.A., KSAN in San Francisco, and very briefly, and they were just about gone before I got there, WMMS in Cleveland. Mm. So um, those four M- Metro Media stations are frequently regarded as, at minimum, four of the very best stations in the country. Mm. Yes, yes. I'm, well, uh, I, I'm, of course, more familiar with Philly, but, uh, you know, it's interesting. And uh, we might want to, because, again, I want to just, uh, you know, Michael is a, is a very big name and, and has been since the early 70s, late 60s in Philadelphia radio. Um, can we mention and, what I do now real quick? Yeah, yeah. We, I want to get to there. Let's 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 build up to that. Let's build up to that. We're, we're going to okay. do that for sure. But what I wanted to okay. do, what I want to do first is talk about your because this and this this is partly partly what what you what you have been doing recently anyway. You started this whole adventure into the entertainment industry, not by being a, a broadcast person or pioneer, but by being a performer, a folk singer in Baltimore, in Baltimore where I grew up. Yes. Yeah. Right? So, and, and meeting some incredible people to, this, to which some of the relationships continue to these days, at this day, and, and talk about that just a little bit for us. Uh, you're, you're an entree into this whole adventure. Well, I had been doing it for some time, and then 66, 67 was my freshman year at Penn. When I came home, the first Sunday night, I went over to Patch's 15 Below Coffee House in Timonium, where they had an open stage Sunday night, called it Hoot Night. And... Mm-hmm. One of their regulars, a guy who still lives playing down in Nashville, Gove Scrivener, brought a girl from D.C. to audition for them. They asked if I minded if she'd go on right ahead of me, and I said, sure, why not? That night, nobody saw or heard me because they were still in a state of shock and awe from this uh, gorgeous 19-year-old Emmy Lou Harris girl. <laughs> and um, I had two thoughts immediately. One... I need to start thinking about Plan B, which became mm-hmm. radio. And mm-hmm. two, I need to be friends with this woman yesterday, and we still are. Wow. Fantastic. Fantastic. Yeah, and I the other main that. major artist that came out of the same circuit was a fellow Baltimorean who I played with in some bands and booked us in the summer of 68 as a twin bill for church coffee houses and the like, Greg Kinn. Oh, sure. Wow. Oh, my God, the Great King Band. Of course, of course. I remember seeing his band at the Spectrum in the early 70s. Wow. Yep. Do you remember, do you remember the Beans, the WMR Beans at, at Fairmount Park with uh, bands like Forest Green and Sea Train? And Remember those bands back then? Oh, absolutely. I, I yeah. especially remember one with Sea Train. And I think yes. the Holy Modal Rounders were on that bill, too. Gosh. I remember it like yesterday. Like I've got vivid memory of that. Oh my gosh! You also um, in your um, in your broadcast career had the opportunity to interview some some many fabulous uh, emerging artists who, um, who who most know today uh, are still with us today. Well, just, working late at night, I didn't get nearly as many interviews as people in the daytime got. Mm-hmm. Because we work yeah. the same hours. Yeah. 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 
You you were uh, I remember you. Uh, many of our listeners might not know this name, but I do. A lot of us will because we we attract a, a, an audience of of, of like, like age to ours, and an artist by the name of um, Leo Sayer. Leo Sayer. Wow. Leo yes. Sayer lives in Australia now. We're still yes. in touch. Uh, and and Michael and I, I want to say this. I went with my high school girlfriend. We've talked about her, Amanda. You know my high school girlfriend, right? <laughs> my high school girlfriend. Um, we went to a theater in Trenton, New Jersey called the Trenton War Memorial. I must have been in 11th grade to see Leo yep. Sayer. And Adam and who, who emcees that show? None other than Michael Pearson. And Leo and had the, a song. The headliner was the Sensational Alex Harvey Band. I remember. Oh, and, my gosh. Yeah. And the night before... I had dinner with Leo at a wonderful restaurant, which is, of course, decades gone, mm-hmm. on um, Pine Street. Mm-hmm. And um, I told him I was going to be there, and I was dressing up in top hat and tails because of the combination. It just seemed like a perfect theatrical thing for me to do as the MC. I've always loved to be able to create a moment, whether it was on the air or in real life. And Leo said, that's great. You'll have to come out and dance with me, and I can't dance. And I said, Leo, I can't dance at all. And he said, neither can I. That's why I wrote the song. <laughs> it, it's a song. We should play a clip of it. I, w- I should have known better, but maybe we'll play, play a clip uh, our next show so folks know what it is. But the song's called, you know, I Can't Dance, Leo Sayer. And I remember Leo Sayer. I remember this vividly, you know. And, and Leo Sayer's doing the song. And and he he brings he says I can't dance and he and he brings Michael Pearson out on stage. The two of them are sitting there, kind of acting like they're dancing on stage. Sitting? No, we were dancing, 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 dancing. (laughs) Yeah, dancing on stage. Yeah, and um, and I remember that. Top hat and tails. Yes. Wow. I I, I still have the top hat. Oh, oh, you gotta show it to me when I come. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, Amanda, you have an idea now. I know that you, being from the UK yourself, wouldn't be that familiar with, with Philly or USA Radio, but you have an idea. Unfortunately, of, not, no. If uh, who we have on the line with us today, it's great to have Michael on. So, Mike, let's talk about. Hey, really oh, and also, and also, you. Um, but if you didn't, uh, were listening early to our show, we played um, your song that we talked about yesterday um, as an introduction you. to. Yeah, I want you to our. Um, to our program um, today. We played that song, and it's a wonderful, wonderful oh, nice. presentation. It's great. It is a beautiful great. song, Michael. I, I, had, I had the idea to slow it down, and mm-hmm. it turns into a completely different song. The emotion flips 180 degrees from being an arrogant little bastard of a song <laughs> to a really sweet little plea. And the whole thing is completely different. My friend Tom Hampton played everything on that track. Tom's great. Uh, I know Tom. Wow. Yeah. He's wow. yeah. He's in Nashville now, and uh-huh. we're still uh-huh. closest of friends. Great. I miss him tremendously. Yeah. And yeah. Um, that was um, the first thing that I had ever recorded. We had mm. I had given Ro- the late Robert Hazard that arrangement, yeah. and mm. he t- he decided that it was really cool and was going to put it on his next album. But he died before he could do it. He was also going to do from a Buick uh-huh. 6. Uh-huh. And so uh-huh. after he died on Halloween at Steel City in Phoenixville, PA, they had a bill of Eric Anderson and Robert Hazard. And instead of Robert, we did a tribute to Robert oh, with uh, a whole bunch of people singing his songs. And the last song mm. in the whole thing 
was I Want You, which we played as Unfinished Business. Oh, oh, wow. And I kind of, you know, ambushed people who don't think of me as anything but a radio guy, let alone singing. And that still happens a lot. Ambushing people is what I do best as a singer. <laughs> and um, what well, your, your work I, is, not, I know you, I, you, you you handed me a copy of your uh, CD a while you know years ago, I guess it was, and it was a very uh, a great job. I mean, you, you are a wonderful uh, singer, songwriter, presenter. It's not just you know, Mike. We talked about that. You know, my, my, again, folks. Uh, full disclosure, Mike. Mike and the cover friend. was a tribute. The cover was a pastiche tribute to bringing it all back home. Yeah, it, it was. It was a very. I was. Not surprised because I know what a talent you are, but it was just you know the, it was very good and the production was was excellent. I know Tom Hampton had, did a lot on that record as well. Andy Kravitz um, was the producer and we did it in his home studio in mm. Collingswood, just a, about a mile from my house. Gosh, he's out here yeah. now, you know. He's he's in L.A. He's in Santa Monica. Yeah, yeah. yeah we so. haven't spoken for a few years. Yes, Stephen. I don't know if you know Stephen DeJoseph, but he's done some recording at a Santa Monica. He comes I out know Stephen. Yes, a little yeah. bit. Yeah. Yeah, he's come out here and done some recording work in his uh, in his Santa Monica studios. But anyway, um, I, uh, Mike and I were talking yesterday. I mean, again, folks, Mike, Mike and I are friends. We, we go back and and uh, we were talking yesterday or, or interneting, whatever you friends, want to say. I might add. We, we're, that's right. We're, we're yes, exactly. Where it counts. And we what we talked about yesterday. And, and Amanda, you'll you'll appreciate this because we've talked about this many times on the show yeah. uh, with yeah. guests and without guests. Is 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 artistry, interpretation, acting, music, presentation? What it means to dive in something and not act it out, but interpret it. And I might, as, and I might, you know, not to keep talking about all your amazing accomplishments, Michael, but also, uh, truth be told, that you also have done some acting work as well. And, and about uh, fifty and, films. About that's all. Yeah, and and he's a shy <laughs> boy. He's a shy boy. If I don't mention it, he won't. So, uh, <laughs> but anyway, uh, I mean, what what a career. But anyway, and I what still we're get residuals about, for one of them, Blowout. Yeah, bl- oh, I remember wow. Blowout. Yeah. The, the one that I'm most proud of is Twelve Monkeys. Terry Gilliam. Oh, wonderful movie. Wow. Whoa. I love that movie. Yes. Yeah. Did you, Michael? Did you remember an actor, a Philadelphia actor back then, when they were uh, those movies were made by the name of Matt Myers? Yes, he passed away a few years ago. Yeah, Aww. yeah. Matt, Matt, my, Matt was also in Blowout, and he got me a, a, a you know, I was a whatever young young lad at the time. Um, he, I was a, an extra in the first scene of that when Matt goes into the phone booth and pulls something out, whatever. And I remember, you know, he said, "Andy, you want to be in the movie?" And I was like, "Sure." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and he got me a background. I was all excited. I was an extra. <laughs> um, that's cool. But anyway, that's um, cool. but so so Michael and I were talking about uh, performing and not just acting and performing, but we were talking about the distinctions briefly. I want to get more into into that um, now. Um, into not just well, you want acting. me to basically uh, limb yes. what I said then. Yes, you've got. When you're cover, I'm not a songwriter. I have tried, mm-hmm. I have mm-hmm. failed over and over again so that I've essentially abandoned it. But um, okay. I choose the songs from an actor's point of view so that I can inhabit characters and limb stories. I figure that there is a very clear line between recitation of a song and interpretation of a song and all the fun is on the interpretive side of that line. Yeah. So the, the, the mm-hmm. version of I Want You is a classic example. 
Another song that I gave the slow it down and the song completely changes to something else is one you'd never have expected me to do. Vacation by the Go-Go's. I slowed it down real, real slow, and it's almost, it's really a bare-bones guitar arrangement, Mm. and the song is completely different. Wow. I love that. I love the transformation that can take place within music with simple changes. It's incredible. You want to make the songs, you want to bring something of yourself into a song. There's not really a whole lot of point to just doing it for the hell of doing it because you like the Mm. song. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm, I, I almost always have some element of uh, autobiography in the songs I wind up doing. And I usually work with uh, my mandolin buddy, Bill Ferguson, who deserves a shout out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He yeah, plays in John just... Train and several okay. other bands in the area. Okay. Wow. And yeah. hopefully the weather will be good by next Thursday. We have penciled in getting into the backyard to play live. Is that going to be streamed? Will that be live stream? No, 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 no. That's just going to be for us to get back in oh. shape. We had oh, nice. one day last week on Wednesday when the weather's mm-hmm. about 67 or so. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. we were supposed to do Thursday and Friday, but he had a conflict Thursday and I had one Friday. So mm-hmm. this week is too cold. And next week looks good. It's springtime. <laughs> oh, I'm so it's- well, I'm here in Southern California. It's freezing on at 65 degrees. I put my ski jacket at 65 here. Yeah, I'm wow. like, whoa, cold out. No whoa. sympathy. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, Michael, tell. So today, I want to get back as we as we said earlier, um, kind of building up to where you are today in your broadcast career, which is also, you know, Michael spent his whole career being an innovator in almost everything he's done, and and talk to us some about what you're doing now. Well, to lead up to that, start with how I got into Sirius Satellite Radio. Yeah, you know, I want to talk 20, to you. Yes. Mm-hmm. 2002, I pitched an idea to Meg Griffin, who was running two channels then, Folktown and Sirius Disorder. I pitched a Bob Dylan Radio Hour song where people all over the world do Bob Dylan songs in wildly different styles and frequently languages. I have, at this, at this point, between the over 3,600 Dylan performances, uh, close to 1,700 translated Dylan songs, and over 14,000 covers, I've got just short of 20,000 tracks in all. And that show could have gone on forever. But it stopped at merger because of Dylan's show on XM, which debuted 22 months after mine, the Bob Dylan Theme Time Radio Hour. So mm-hmm. I like to think that him stealing the name of the show from me puts me in the elite fraternity of the people who he ripped the ideas off of for his own use. The greatest <laughs> left-handed compliment of all time. Sure. <laughs> I, I, I'm buying that. I'm, I'm liking it, and I'm buying it. You bet. Yeah, yeah. You bet. <laughs> you, you they bet. knew about me. There's no question they knew about me. But I can just hear him going, yeah, we put theme time in the middle. It'll sound cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it'll sound cool. Yeah, yeah I'll tell you. Um, and, but you did some other – not only did, did, uh, did Michael Tierson – I also did doing. deep I, – I was also on classic vinyl on, exactly. on Sirius. And then at the merger, I was flipped over to Deep Tracks, which yeah. uh, effectively merged with Sirius Disorder. 
And I was there from 07 to the middle of 15 when I walked away from it because they were dumbing it down and the pay hadn't changed at all in the whole time from Mm. a crappy 85 bucks a show. Mm. And it was worth about half of what it was worth at the beginning anyway. By then, with Social Security and a union pension from the MMR years, I could afford to walk away from that money. And by then, I I have been doing webcasts. I do three webcasts a week now. After... I had after I was on WBZC, now defunct at the also now defunct Burlington County College. Uh, I was brought after I left there. I was brought into a website called Radio That Doesn't Suck dot com, <laughs> and I was given complete artistic freedom, even to the point where the <clears throat> I, I think of all of the shows as an hour, but the RTDS shows are freed from. The tyranny of an hour having to be 60 minutes, they go up to 79 minutes because my outside parameter is it needs to fit on a single CD. I know what people's attention spans are, and I know I'm way past what most people are going to be able to do, but that doesn't bother me. I don't make a penny. The performance is its own reward, and creating the show even before I record it is really the most fun-filled part for me. Yeah. Then, after WMGK, where I'd been doing a Saturday morning show, uh, a period show that they called Saturday Morning 60s, I wanted Mm. Psychedelic Sunrise with a P on Sunrise, like Psychedelic. And they said, no, we like Saturday Morning 60s. And I quipped, well, let's put our heads together and see if we can come up with something even more generic. (laughs) I was the only one in the room that thought that was funny. Yeah. Nicely said, Mike, like I say. <laughs> oh, my so, gosh. So I did the show, and and I had pretty much creative freedom on that. But, you know, I had to do it in X number of segments to leave words for word, time for commercials, and the time had to work out. And on WBZC, the time, the shows had to be 60 minutes. And once I was fired from MGK, uh, iradiophilly.com contacted me about doing a show for them, and I started a show called The Marconi Experiment, which was the name of the first album rock show on WMMR in April of 68. Dave Herman did that, and he has passed away now, most sadly. Um, Six months after we had started my show with his blessing using the name and had a nice interview with him that's on their website still, (laughs) Dave was arrested for... um, a woman that was going to be bringing her 10-year-old for him to have all kinds of illegal fun with. Oh, geez. And he was uh, extradited to Jersey and died the following February in prison. Oh, when gosh. he was arrested, I had to think about whether to change the name oh. of the show. <clears throat> but I decided yeah. I had already spent six months rebranding it to me. But the one mm-hmm. change I made was he opened the show with the Beatles instrumental Flying, over which Gee. he would... In tone, a Khalil Gibran quote, Arise, my heart, and lift your voice with music, for he who shares not his song with the dawn shall be one of the sons of ever darkness. I ditched that opening and instead used now, for my opening most times, the theme music that opened the Our Gang show uh, films. Mm, wow. Yeah, of course. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. It's an yeah. instant comfort zone. Huh. Wow. Huh. Fantastic. Unbelievable. Um, do you know, uh, I want to I want to take a little trip real quick here down memory lane, and uh, I don't want to ask you a couple of questions about some of the highlights of your broadcast career, but uh, tell me if you remember, where's, uh, which button do I click for that? Tell me if you remember this. Um, here we go. Stage, a big, big 
bar with a stage. Let and, uh, me tell you something you don't know about the Stone Balloon. It was run by a guy named Bill Stevenson. Okay. And you, and you know who Bill Stevenson's first wife had as her second husband? Who? Ooh. Who? Joe Biden. No. What? Jill Biden's first husband. Wow. Is that right? Is that right? I'll be darned. Yes. That means that the odds of Jill having listened to Michael Tiersen on MMR are 100%, and oh, yeah. the odds of Joe being a young lawyer working late nights in Wilmington in the early 70s when I was on listening to me are extremely high as well. If I ever get to meet him, that's the first question I ask him. <laughs> I bet. It. I'm sure. Wow. 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 So I am completely a... jazzed by the thought that the president and his wife are old Michael Tiersen fans. I, I am sure that they are. I'm sure. And not only that, but but you know, uh, everybody knows that that uh, that um, Joe Biden is uh, well. He grew up in Scranton, of course, but he's been a longtime resident of uh, Wilmington, Delaware, which uh, was a big you know base of uh, fans of, of Philadelphia radio. And, and uh, close, what, and close, a forty-minute drive south. That's it. What what happened? Do you remember? No, I want you know. It was you. I remember a guy by the name of uh, Ed Shockey, who of course died too young years ago, and I remember. Of course, Gene Shea, who just passed away of COVID, and then also Luke O'Reilly, WMR. Remember Luke? Luke is also gone. He passed away about two years ago, the night oh. before his birthday. Oh, no. Oh. He, he was wrong. Did he continue with broadcast? He did not. He okay. did not. He had a, <clears throat> his um, visa. His uh, was his time in the U.S. was up, and he had to go back to England to renew it. <clears throat> and he decided that instead of doing radio, he wanted to get into artist management. And oh. he hooked up with uh, a singer-songwriter who was kind of at odds right then and had just released in England an album that was uh, really quite a landmark. It had a hypnosis cover, which was taken from a Doctor Strange panel, uh, where mm. Doctor Strange, with his... Um, Cape is going through a glowing circle to meet mm. an inter a, a, a being known as Eternity. The name of the mm. album was Past, Present, and Future. The artist was Al Stewart, who oh I my had turned on to. Wow. wow. And he led Al to his great success with Year of the Cat and uh, beyond that for quite some time. And um, I, mm. I basically hooked him into Al's music. Mm. That's amazing. Well, that's amazing. Do you know? My, do you know? I just thought. My, I just remember. I, you, Michael, you, you will not remember this. I'm sure. As a matter of fact, I know you won't. Um, but I, you and I met in 1977. I'm pretty sure you were at MMR in '77, right? Was that MMR? Nope. Yes. That was the year I was, was not there. I so was fired at Christmas of '76 for chopping a door down with an axe. Oh. Talk, talk, talk. <laughs> I had you permission to that. do it. You had permission. Okay, I had I permission that. to do it because I had already had the bust in the door. They had exiled me from 10 to 2 to overnights with the idea that I was going to quit rather than take that. But I told them, look, I know if I quit, I don't get my unemployment money. So if you want me gone, you're going to have to fire my sorry ass. Wow. And one night, the commercial logs for the overnight and the next morning, midnight onwards, were completely locked up. And I knew exactly which office they were in. 
So I called the guy up and said, Art, man, you screwed up. Um, you locked up the logs. I'm going to have to bust in your door. And he told me, take out the vent grill. So I tried to line up. I, I lied down on the floor, <laughs> put my foot on the thing and pulled back, and boom, I went a little bit high and to the left through the door. Ooh. It felt great. I, I kept my eye on the ball on the grill the next time and hit a dead center, splattering those slats into a full 180-degree circle of bits and pieces and reached under and opened the door and got the logs. And I figured I saved the station hundreds, if not thousands of dollars for the morning show where they really do have commercials. And, <laughs> and I got permission to finish the door off because the next week – or shortly thereafter, anyway, they were going to be vacating the fourth floor to move to the third floor of the same building um, where WIP, their sister station, had been. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I, came, I planned what I was going to do, and I told Art, the guy whose office it was, exactly what I was going to do, which was to let myself get really shaggy and, uh, and unbathed for about a week where I stayed out of sight, and then I brought in my axe. <laughs> and uh, and I basically staged um, some theater, some theater in destroying the door, wow. and I got fired for it. But since they knew I, they had given me permission, they could only fire me without cause. So I got my unemployment money. Wow! Oh, and gosh. then about a year later. That program director was fired, and Jerry Stevens, who had been the original PD at MMR, was brought back for a second run, and he called me up and said, Michael, I'm going to get you in here, but it's going to take a while. Dominic, the GM, has told me you can do anything you want to bring this station back except him. And they were coming up that spring in 78 on the 10th anniversary of the station. So Jerry found a way to sneak me in the back door of consulting. First, he had me go through the studio, which I hadn't been in for about a year and a half, and take out all the records that really didn't need to be there and shouldn't have been there, and put in a lot a bunch more that did. And the station's ratings nearly doubled in, immediately in the next rating period. And then, for the summer, since the station was at its all-time <clears throat> lowest rating, he called the 10-year celebration rock bottom, which is hilarious. <laughs> wow. And he, and he had me curate that. He was going to do it. The first week was going to be 68 and 69, the 60s, and then a weekend from 1970, one, two, three, and so forth. And he told Dominic that we, after the first week that I have to put Michael on the air to make this work because he was such an integral part of it. So he reluctantly agreed I got back on the air then, and I was a sensation. People could not believe how good I sounded, and I was doing great work as well as all the other off-air work I was doing for them. So he had me doing yeah. fill-ins. At one point, I did 27 straight days until Jeez. I begged for a day off. Jeez. But after that, and with that, he got fired. And his replacement, Jeff Pollack, uh, rehired me for late nights. And I was there for 14 more years. Pollock later on became a consultant for radio stations. And as a TV producer, he uh, was the producer of a 
little-known show called The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, which, oh, you remember, has silly connections. Of course, yes. of course. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 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 Wow. Well, I, I remember the, the acts uh, because, again, I was, you know, we, we didn't know each other then, but, I, you know, I was a listener to, to WMR and to Michael Tierson and the whole station. Everybody was. And so everybody in our, you know, uh, age group, our, our arena, um, and the what was flying all over town was, do you know what happened to MMR? Michael Tierson chopped down a door with an axe. Oh, my God. Michael, he's getting fired from MMR. He chopped down a door with an axe. And it, it just was on fire. It went everywhere. I mean, it was it was like the story of the, you know, wow. It was something. But, you know, yeah. I, do you, I don't know if you remember <laughs> an account executive. I guess it's 70, I forget what year. Maybe it's 75. 70, it was somewhere in there, 76, maybe early 77. Um, no, I guess 70. Anyway, um, there was a concert production company called Gavin Concerts in, Red, in Reading, Pennsylvania, which com- com- you know, Electric Factory had the stronghold on Philadelphia concerts with all this antitrust and Midnight Sun came into the arena and all this back then. And there was an account executive, and I don't know if you remember, if you remember him. His name was Al Bibby. Al Bibby. Don't remember him. And, and I remember, and I, I ran, I had a financial backer, and I was doing the shows at the Astor Theater in Reading, Pennsylvania. Um, and I was a college kid, and I, my girlfriend's dad, who was a, was a very wealthy steel executive, found out that I was doing co- concerts um, at Montgomery County Community College. I was the first person to bring Kansas to the area, as a matter of fact. And, and, uh, and so, um, anyway, long story short, I started doing concerts with financial backer, uh, and a, a bunch of them, um, at the Astra Theater, and also brought the band Chicago to the Reading Municipal Stadium, which is a big thing back then. Anyway, so Al Bibby, who was an account executive, was taking me around. I guess it was MMR. I might have the wrong. I'm pretty sure it was MMR. And uh, he pointed you uh, out to me and said, "That's Michael Tierson." And I was like, "Whoa!" I was like, "Wow, that's Michael Tierson." <laughs> I was a I was a scrawny little guy at the time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, that's when we. That's when we, I think we said hi or shook hands. Or I don't remember exactly, but that's when we actually, in in, in, the, in the real world, that's when we first met. <laughs> well, I'll tell you one thing about things like that. People mm-hmm. still come up to me today with uh, some regularity, although less now in the last year since I don't mm-hmm. see anybody. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. they tell me how much they appreciated and loved what I did. And I always will stop whatever I'm doing to give them the best moment I can because oh, that's so what great. they will take with them for what kind of a person I am. I have seen others of my colleagues who shall go unnamed at this point, um, who blow people off. Just, you know, it's go away, kid, you bother me. It's a bad time. And that's bad business. They are your clientele. And if they want to tell you they appreciate you, be gracious. Yes, it doesn't take much. I want to give you an example of that. When I was first starting my career, I've, you know, over, you know, we've talked about this, I'm 28 years, several thousand shows all over the country and, and near Amanda's neck of the woods in London and different parts of Europe. And when I was first out of the gate, I don't know, not, I just had an album out or whatever. And, and uh, I'd been a guest on the, on the Gene Shea folk program many a time at that point. And uh, Gene Shea was a fan of what I was doing. And uh, I don't know if you remember, uh, 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 Gene had a program on, uh, with a WHYY, which is a public broadcasting station in Philadelphia, and there was a, a annual like a members music festival picnic they used to have at the station at WHYY. Oh, yes. I remember, remember that, that well. And you and I met one, uh, I don't know if we'd met previously or not, I don't, I don't remember, but um, again, I was fresh out of the gate, like, who's Andy Kimball? Like, I, you know, I was an airline pilot, you know, playing music on my furlough, and Michael and I were talking, and I just want to give people an example 
uh, of what Michael was just saying. And we're talking, yeah. you know, I was talking to, about Michael, about what a fan I was of everything he did. And I can't believe I was there. You know, I was, you know Michael's a, a big time star in my eyes. I grew up And I was also Gene Shea's designated fill-in. Yes, you That's were. That's why I would have right. been there. That's right. And so, so what Michael said to me, and again, I'm out of the gate. Nobody, you know, first starting my career, telling Michael what an incredible fan I was all through junior high school, all through high school. Everybody listened to this guy on the radio. And then Michael asked me, Andy Kimball, who's a nobody really, uh, would you like me to MC? Would you like me to go up on the stage and introduce you? And I was like, yeah. And I'll never forget when you got up. And that was, wow, wow, to hear your voice introduce Andy Kimball. And that was the same voice that I, you know, just an example of what that meant to me at the time. I was like, I've made it. I can put down my guitar now. Mike, Michael Chirson introduced me. I mean, I, I'm done. <laughs> what, 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 uh, what, what, what can one Fortunately, that career? was not the that was not the be all and end all. No, but at the time, I'm just <laughs> yeah, it was for me. I'm like, whoa. <laughs> no. <laughs> I was like, whoa. But I, I, when when your name comes up, Michael, I do I do repeat that story here and there. I because it meant a lot at the time, and and I want to thank you, even though it's way, you know 28 years or whatever it is ago, and and to this day it still meant a lot at the time. I just want you to know that. So yeah. Well, thank you, anyway. Andy. Yeah, yeah, it was great. Uh-huh. And uh, and you say so. Michael has a show, um, radio that does, does radio that doesn't suck. Radio that Google doesn't it. suck. dot com has two yep. shows: the Marconi Experiment and the Attic, which are available free and on demand as podcast on a limited seven day run, Monday to Monday. Hmm. iradiophilly. dot com. The other hey. website, radio that doesn't suck. dot com, for long. Or the short version of it is rtds.ca. And the CA tells you that when I'm making my shows in Westmont, New Jersey, that uh, I'm Canadian. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. It's based out of near Toronto. And Mm -hmm. at this point, um, between all of the shows I've done, the the Bob Dylan shows, the uh, WMGK shows, the WBZC shows, the uh, RTDS and iRadio Philly, I have created more than 3,500 shows at home, whole cloth. Jeez. And I especially recommend RTDS. When you go to the thing, there is a drop-down for shows and schedules. There's a link to Michael Tierson's page, and on that page, there's a link to the menu of over 150 Free and on-demand, wildly diverse shows. Amazing, mm. amazing. Um, Michael, go ahead, Amanda. Sorry, go ahead. sorry, one question. The, the Marconi experiment is that referring to the first person to transmit the radio signals? Yes. Um, although, of course, his uh, being first has been disputed with Nicholas yeah. Te- Nicholas Tesla. But right. um, but I did not see the the point of making it the Tesla experiment since the Marconi experiment was a very well-known and fondly remembered show in Philly and I felt I was the only one that could use that name and not be exploitative and cheesy. Yeah, I get it. That's cool. That's cool. Mm. Wow. Mm. Okay, Andy, sorry. uh, uh, Mike, do you have any desire at this point uh, to get into uh, broadcast radio again, terrestrial radio, as they say? Um, no, down the point. nor you're, satellite. You're done. Yeah, you're done. Um, there's done. no creativity in it. DJs haven't picked music since 1984. Sheesh. And 
know. For the yeah. first several years, we at least still queued up the LPs and CDs because that was the transformation period from LP to CD. Mm. And um, eventually, the whole show went on to the hard drive. And everything mm. was on the hard drive except for your breaks. And that's boring, boring, yeah. boring. Yeah. I would finish a shift, filling in usually 7 to midnight on MGK, and I would feel like my soul had been surgically removed. Mm. It was a wow. horrible feeling and yeah. the most boring thing I'd ever done in my life. I don't need to do that. I'm better yeah. than that. I mean, I mean, yeah. I, I am. I I do radio as a musician, and yeah. what? How does a DJ play a solo on the air? He makes a segue, mm. and you know this for a fact, Andy. I have yeah. always done my best to make the segues note-to-note -note musical continuity. Yes, I do know that. Yes, and yes. that is what drags people through songs they otherwise would have ignored. Yes, and you've introduced yeah. many people to many artists and many many songs in, in that manner as well, which is phenomenal. You have, you know, talk. You, I know you you were talking about your Bob Dylan library of, of tunes. Um, you have one hell of a music collection. I mean, you you you're yeah, your library. about twenty thousand CDs in the house. Yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm never moving. Love it. <laughs> Unbelievable. Um, yeah, it's so great. Let me tell you another little story crazy. about a trip to London. I yes. think it was 73. I was with my first wife for my youthful mistake marriage. And <laughs> um, we were walking up Portobello Road, uh, which was quite charming. Yeah. And look, there is the office for the brand new Virgin Records label. Wow. Richard Branson was in the office at the time, and we yeah. sat down and chatted for a couple of hours. And he gave me a big stack of singles, plus the label's first album, which I debuted what? in America. It was called, of course, Tubular Bells by Mike Oldfield. And what? using it as my news bed for those late night shows, as you heard, I had jazz under me in the one that you played. I used Tubular Bells exclusively for about a year and it sold thousands as an import in Philadelphia off of my late-night news bed broadcasting. And as a result, Epic picked it up, and then The Exorcist came along, and I, that was my first gold record on the wall. Wow. Jeez. Mm. That's amazing. What a story. And what a it movie. Is. My God, that scared me to death. <laughs> and I haven't met Branson since then. I would love to someday. Yeah, mm. he's such a genuine guy. I really, yeah, I, yeah. I admire the hell out of him. He is, he is yeah. a visionary. Yes, he is. He really is. We were we were discussing that on the previous show, weren't we? Funny enough, Andy. Yes, we were, and, and it, yeah. it was so preceding this one. We sure did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Amazing. Yeah, amazing. Really, really is. So, what your next uh, your next production, your next radio that doesn't um, suck program is when? Um, well, they debut on Tuesdays before okay. they go into the cash for free and on demand. Okay. And uh, they stream four times on Tuesday, Eastern, Eastern time, um, mm -hmm. 9 a.m., 3 p.m., 9 p.m., 3 a.m. And then a okay. couple days later, they go into the cash where, mm -hmm. I mean, really, over 150 wildly diverse shows. Naturally, I've done a whole lot of Bob Dylan shows over the years. But I do a lot of songwriter tributes. People like uh, Daryl Scott, 
in the country world or John sure, Hartford. Of yeah, yeah, and, yeah. Um, and people like Hoagie Carmichael, the first singer-songwriter. Mm. Mm. If you think about it, he was. Yeah. And uh, yeah. Cole Porter, who came out of Indiana at the same time, and the third from Indiana in that same time was Bick Spiderbeck. And I've mm. done a Jacques Brel show. I've, I, do, I do thematic shows. I do BBC archive shows. I do uh, shows in England, as you probably know. Uh, mm. there, there is that gray area where you can release as a CD legally shows that were broadcast over American or Canadian or foreign airwaves. Right. So Actually, I have gathered I didn't know several. That, I didn't know that. Take a look at Amazon sometime. Yeah. Okay. I'll check that out. And that between Amazon and eBay, that's how I have accumulated most of them. And right. it's just an incredibly rich trove of things to do. Mm. And uh, I just did a show that's called mostly about showbiz. That was uh, mostly autobiographical. Uh, and the second half of the show opened with Leo Sayer, The Show Must Go On, which, of course, the line is, I won't let the show go on to close the song. Okay. And you, you're, wow. you're in touch with Leo to, uh, to this day, right? You're, you're from time to time. Through Facebook. Yes. Yeah, is, he, is he still performing? Is he still playing? I think he does a little bit, but not very much. Mm. Uh, he had actually played Atlantic City one time. I tried to get in touch with him, but the hotel was no help whatsoever. Mm. Ah, okay. Yeah, you yeah, remember Leo, Leo's here. Well, uh, we have a, a guy here who wants to ask you a question. Uh, let me see if I can bring him on the line here. Um, caller, um, yeah, go ahead. Go you ahead. ever served in an infantry unit, son? <laughs> no. <laughs> I would, Asked I would him to put his life in yours. Mm. I, I have mm. never been in the military. My father was in World War II. Wow. Yeah, my dad. My dad was in World War II. Battle of the Bulge. Battle of the Bulge. Rescued by Pat. My father was in the Aleutians. Okay. And um, yeah. I, I never got the chance to ask him if he met another Baltimore-born person who was serving in the Aleutians in World War II. Dashiell Hammett. You know the Maltese Falcon. Of course. You know course. the Thin Man. He yeah, wrote yeah. them. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yep. Well, I want to, um, you know, we have a, uh, in addition to our live show, we are carried to iHeartRadio, through iTunes, through Amazon, and the list goes on and on and on um, of our distribution network that carry the show. And, and a bulk of our listeners, we do have listeners chiming in right now. As a matter of fact, if you'd like to get hold of us remaining time we have on the show, our number is 515-605-9888. You're also able to get in touch with the show through Andy and Amanda uh, at Andy and Amanda Show at gmail.com. And if you are in various parts of the globe, which we know you are, um, you can email us and say, hey, I'd like to get on your show, and we will send you an email link enabling you to join us as long as you have a headset, you know, microphone, you can join us over the internet and get on this program. But anyway, um, I don't want to uh, let our audience know, especially this goes out to our podcast listeners, which I think um, com- compose most of our audience uh, who are not listening to us. Well, you are a podcast, so they're all we podcast are podcast listeners. We are we, we are podcast. Um, 
to um, tune in to RadioThatDoesn'tSuck.com. And I, I have many times, and it's a great radio. It's terrific radio, actually, and Michael does a phenomenal job, and I want to encourage our I, audience. I consider it radio it art, which is a completely yeah. lost form, and nobody, but nobody that I'm aware of is doing anything remotely like what I do. And, no, you know, the, the whole idea of taking a finite piece of time as a blank canvas and painting mm-hmm. it with sound, um, making it a beginning, a middle, and an end, and, um, you know, just creating the shows like that is my happy place. I've been a widower now for close to 26 years, mm. and... Um, my wife had had undiagnosed terminal breast cancer when we oh. met, the one great oh. love of my lifetime, oh. and oh, I've never recovered that. from her diag 30 years ago, January. Yeah. Oh, jeez. I'm so, sorry. So I've had lifelong depression and complicated grief for 30 yeah. years, and then yeah. last March, add the dread fear of being sick and alone, and I suffered something of an emotional collapse. Where I decided first I needed to get meds or I wasn't going to make it, and I did. Yeah. I got got good ones. I got two good ones and a bad one, and right. I quit the bad one real quickly. Yeah, and cool. then, and my friends were incredibly supportive, and one in particular on Facebook hooked me up with her stepdaughter, who was a therapist, a perfect fit for me the first time. And how often does that happen with a therapist? Yeah, I remember you telling me at the time. I remember, I remember that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, and, uh, and the, as a result now, mm-hmm. I can say that I'm in the best mental condition since before her diagnosis all the way back to 1990. Mm. Oh, that's amazing. I'm glad that you've, you've found that place again. It's a, hard, it's a hard job. It's a constant job, you know. Yes, it is. It, yeah. And, um, you know, I, I, I'm just I, incredibly lucky that I... I found the help that I did and yeah. I've been very open about it on Facebook because people need to know that it is okay to reach out for help when you need it and it, oh, that it is there yeah. and I mean, people that... also often don't want to I didn't hadn't had meds for 12 years yeah yeah I can I can relate in so many ways I mean not with losing a partner but um I myself suffered with depression for a very very long time since my teens late teens and from that I developed uh, anxiety issues as well and it became uh, agoraphobia and so I shut myself away for many years and then had to battle all of that to step out the house and, and live some sort of normal quality of life again and very proud to say that I've achieved it but you know, I can I can totally relate to the whole struggle, the mental battle that you have daily to to put yourself in that place to even just to put one foot in front of the other some days. Um, and even after difficult. living alone for 25 years, yeah, uh, the enforced solitude, which I thought I'd be well prepared for, completely shook me uh, with that trifecta of fears. Yeah, yeah, of course. I had decided that grief is a trap that turns into a cage and the grieving one in the cage does not even know he's in a cage it becomes normal and so the main primary goal of uh, my therapy has been to dismantle the the grief cage and to escape from it and let light into my life again and there was with my wife's birthday in April and her passing, um, 
29 days later. Last year, instead of the usual dark and damaged posts that I would put up about her, I purposely changed everything into writing about her as my guiding light. Oh. And uh, then that made an incredible difference. It got uh, both, both of the posts, as well as one for her death day that Tom Hampton wrote as well, um, yeah. were, were turning points for me and points of which I could learn to accept the light and just not keep myself in the darkness. Yeah, that's beautiful. That's, that's an amazing transformation, and I'm sure many people... And having the creative that. outlets is the most yeah. essential part of that. Oh, yes, definitely. On Facebook, I also write a haiku of the day. Oh, oh that's great. <laughs> What's your what's your Facebook? I started uh, it on a whim. I started yeah. it on a whim the first week of May 2007. Yeah. And nowadays, I don't write them nearly as much, but I have a huge slush pile. So, oh. doing the haiku of the day is often like throwing the I Ching, because I yeah. will pull out a little piece of paper with a couple of poems on it at random, and yeah. one will be perfect for the day. I love that. I absolutely love that. I do similar things, um, and I, I always have the appropriate message. It's stunning. <laughs> I remember the first one I wrote. I was going over to deliver a pair of CDs for an upcoming memorial uh, for my friend George Pearson, who did Sound at Tin Angel and the uh, oh, yeah. and many yeah. other places over the years. And he was he was about two weeks from death at this point. And on the way over, and Leonard Cohen had died that week. This was the week after of George of uh, Trump being elected. And that mm. Thursday night, they announced Leonard's death. And on Friday, I uh, finished putting together George's CDs, and I did the memorial show for Leonard. So I was listening to uh, one of the later albums with Alexandra leaving, and a haiku popped into my head: "My imploded world." My victories get smaller, losses more intense. And I surprised myself with that, and I pulled off the road to write it down, or I knew I would lose it. Wow. And from there, it turned into a knack that I have that I never could have suspected. Yeah. Wow. That's beautiful. Mm. That's so beautiful. The 575 of the haiku is a rigid form that I find oddly liberating. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's incredible. That's Semantic incredible. precision it. is absolutely required to pull them off. Yeah. Mm. That's amazing, yes. Michael. Well, our guest again, folks, is Michael Pearson, one of the pioneers of, of FM rock and roll radio out of Philadelphia, where my hometown. Uh, it's a pleasure having uh, Michael Woods is here on the Andy and Amanda show. Um, and I am great. delighted to be with you. So, Aww, so thank you, so sweetheart. It, it, it we've been excited about this all week, haven't we, Andy? We, yeah, we, we ha we, we've talked about it. Uh, I remember going back over a month ago when we, we were on the show and talking about radio and, and what we're doing and so forth. And I said, you know, I got a good friend. Oh my God! I gotta call this guy, Michael Cheerson. I gotta call Michael and see if he'll come on the show. Was it was there a month or so ago? A while back, and we were there. there yeah, is, right that, yeah. There is a new ten-part documentary series that centers on Larry Campbell and his wife Teresa Williams, who are yes. two of the most wonderful people on the planet. 
Mark Moskowitz, a Philly boy, did it. And it's 10 episodes. It's on Amazon Prime. Episode 7 is about the rise of FM radio. The first half of the show is um, a fellow who's still at XPN, uh, John Diliberto, and me in an interview that I had done about a decade ago, which I came off as I could have done it yesterday. Mm. And wow. uh, it's, it's my it's episode seven of the series. It's called The Journey. I highly recommend this. It's a brilliant series. And besides getting to hear a whole lot of Larry and Teresa and others playing music is just wonderful. Beautiful. Mm. I'm sure our listeners would be very uh, intrigued by that and would want to tune in. Thank you for sharing that, Michael. Yes. Oh, it's Absolutely. my pleasure. I'm in it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, of course. <laughs> right there. Have you been in touch with uh, with Eric Brazilian at all, the, or the Hooters? I know he's living in the, in, in Sweden now, I believe. Um, yeah, he's been splitting his time mostly in Sweden since mm-hmm. uh, COVID, I'm sure. But mm-hmm. uh, he's here when, when the Hooters are going to do their playing, or he's yeah. with them when they tour Europe. They still tour Europe. They still when they play can, Germany. But, yeah, yeah. It, yeah they're it's huge funny. in Germany, and they're big huge. in Scandinavia. Uh, it's, it's really funny. Eric and I met because our kids were in the same uh, uh, kind of a secular uh, Sunday school, if you will. And uh, we, that's how we – we know, I'd known of, of Eric. I heard his name. And, uh, and Growing up in the 80s, and the Hooters were a big band out of Philly then. And um, and Eric and I became quite friendly at the time. And the funny thing is, and I, I knew who he was. Like I wasn't really, you know, in tune that much what was going on the Hooters at the time and so forth. But um, uh, most of our conversation was about about kids and about family that never does the dishes and how they pile up in the sink and how you how you do your dishes when you when you're finished cooking you clean your pots and pans and put them right away and you come back to the sink an hour later and somehow the the dishes are piled up and most of all of our conversations were like like that kind of thing very little about music you know and uh, and we'd be out or doing something and somebody come to Eric and say oh yeah Eric Brazilian who Eric and I'm like and then I remember I went home. And, and again, I knew his name, and, I, and I, in all honesty, and, and you know, I wasn't. It's not that I wasn't a fan of the Hooters. I just didn't really know much of them. I'm, I knew a couple of their hit songs, and you know, I was all into airplanes and so forth. That's how my thing. But anyway, um, I so gave I went him home. their first airplay. I'll be darned. I'll be darned. Uh. I, I went home and I looked them up on the internet, and I played some of Eric's songs, and uh, and we played some. We, we, I think Michael I told you earlier, we were doing music on the show for a while, and we figured we better not, we better not keep playing music. But anyway. Um, we played uh, "If God Were One of Us" and a couple other tunes of his, and I heard it on YouTube. And then the next Sunday, uh, Eric and I are taking a hike. You know, the kids are in class, and Eric and I are walking in the woods. And I was like, "Oh my God, this is Eric! This guy's like a star!" <laughs> <laughs> and we kept talking. But he's about always been pretty well down to earth. He's always been a good guy. He's a he, great he guy. He and his partner Rob Hyman, who wrote "Time yeah. After Time." Yes. Yeah. Yeah, he's a great guy. He's a great guy. As a matter of fact, you know, at a time, do you remember when Gene Shea retired from doing the folk show at uh, XPN? I was talking to, I think his name was Brian or Brad, I forget the program manager over at XPN. I think he still is. Um, I forget who it was. Anyway, uh, about, because I'd been on the show um, uh, many times throughout the years and uh, uh, was talking to them about possibly uh, stepping in. uh, and I was already making plans to move out to LA. I mean, and then I remember talking to Eric, you know, talking on the phone and, and he was like, um, 
Andy, you sure you, you want to give, give up going to L.A. to doing this one Sunday show that probably it's not going to make you rich and that's, you're going to give up L.A. and so forth? And I said, it might, it might be great to do that. I don't know. And, and Eric said, well, you, you know, made the right decision. Thank you for that because I, I still don't know what the hell I'm doing. I mean, I, that's kind of what Amanda and I do. We get on the show. We have no idea what we're doing. Remember, I was back at WXPN 92 to 95 for my yes. postgraduate, and that uh, fell apart shortly after the death of my wife when mm. that summer, instead of being given some empathy for the hurt that I was going through, I was mostly disciplined. And finally, uh, it got to the point where I quit. I I, I I, I actually one night went out on the fire escape to have a couple hits on a joint, mm. and there was one of their engineers dimed me out. I got suspended for a month, mm. and when I came back, I quit on the air. Wow. Was that wow. satisfying? Oh. Well, i got to tell you something, and you probably have heard this, and you must know it because you still live in the area. Um, Philadelphia radio is not the same without you on it. I, I, cause honestly, I'm out of in L.A., and I just grew up growing up in Philadelphia. Um, well, the difference you is you can get me anytime you want for free. And, uh, yeah, hey, listen, call you on the phone, talk to you on, on WhatsApp, whatever, to Facebook, whatever we do back and forth here. Uh, but yeah, but I, or I the, say, or the webcasts, or the webcasts. That's right, folks. And you, you've got to tune in. And I can't emphasize this strongly enough, folks. Uh, wherever you are around the world, uh, you've got to check out radio. And I don't uh, make a penny, so yeah. I'm just, you know, it, there, there is artwork. And I get to uh, be creative, which mm -hmm. DJs don't get to do on the air. I mm -hmm. get to be imaginative and to come up with concepts for shows. I did one, I recorded one yesterday that was the final show for the month of May, I work ahead. And it was one where I started and finished with a David Blue song. And stream of consciousness, I put the show together with each song suggesting the next one. A couple of albums that I just happened to have at hand that I made part of the show, a Sarah Watkins album that I had, ju had just ordered and just gotten and had knocked me out, and mm. um, Molly Tuttle's album of her own songs. Yeah, yeah. She's an amazing young girl who had been the oh. IBA, IMBA um, guitarist of the year several years running as a teenager. Mm. And yeah. she has become an incredible songwriter, as has Sarah, who had been in Nickel Creek with Chris Tile and uh, the others. You know, we These are very high-level musicians. We, and, we, chimed um, in, we chimed into Molly Tuttle doing a tune with Billy Strings. Uh, Sit on Top of the World, I think it was. Yes. Uh, together. Unbelievable. I mean, just, you got to check out that tune, Molly Tuttle and Billy Strings together, sitting on top of the world. Anything with Molly Tuttle. Un unreal. Unreal. Just just blew me away. Um, and Billy Strings, I didn't even, did I flew with him? I mean, he suddenly just He just up took an award. I think he just took the Grammy for Best Bluegrass. Oh, and deservedly so. I mean, that guy's, in, I never heard of him. I'm, I, the first time I ever I really saw don't him, know his work. I have not heard he, him. Yeah, the first one I ever did was was this YouTube video of Billy Strings and Molly Tuttle, and I was I was absolutely blown away. And then did some more looking and searching and more YouTubing and found more of his work. He is incredible. And I, uh, as you said, I who who is he? What? And uh, wow, and he just took a Grammy. That's uh, you know, deservedly so. I mean, check him out for sure, folks. Check him out. Well, folks, we, we gotta get some news and some other things we're gonna cover here. I want our guest has been Michael Pearson. And Michael, it's been a pleasure having you on our show. 
And um, I'm definitely going to Absolutely. invite you back on again. It's great to catch up and just have a conversation. I was about to say, let's do it again. Let's do it again because really, lovely to meet you, Amanda. Yes. Sorry. Lovely to meet you. Oh, thank you, sweetheart. It's been an absolute pleasure to meet you. Thank you so much for being here, darling. And, and Michael, oh. I got to you, Michael and I know each other personally, so I can tell you, I can reveal this to Michael and Ross. But um, I think I told you this uh, in our private chat, Michael, that uh, Amanda is my internet wife. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever yeah, works. I am. <laughs> Are we clear? Are we clear? <laughs> it's a beautiful yes. thing. <laughs> it's a beautiful thing. <laughs> Often troubling, anyway, but beautiful. <laughs> um, <laughs> but anyway, uh, so Michael, thanks again. You and I will definitely be in touch, and and we have conversations on the show, and let's do it again for sure. We'll be in touch and, and bring back on and and talk some more. It's the, uh, the time flew. It did. It did. It, it truly it really did. did. And it's been such a pleasure having you on. Um, really, we could go on and on and on, but we'll we'll continue this and pick it up again. But next you've got to do what you got to do. Absolutely. And and thank so you so much you. for joining us. And uh, and folks, we will be. Um, we want to play. Um, Let me just well, mention hey, one last time. iradiophilly dot com for the Marconi Experiment in the Attic under podcasts Monday to Monday, free and on demand. And radio that doesn't suck dot com for long, rtds.ca for short, and under and look for the Michael Tierson page under shows and schedules. The link to the menu of 150 plus wildly diverse shows. Amazing. Mm. Yeah, check it out, everybody. Check it out. Go check it out. Right now. Right now. Do it. You too. And folks, we're going to be right back after these messages. Our guest again, Michael Tierson. Michael, thanks so much for joining us again. And you and I will certainly be in touch. And we'll also look yes. forward to bringing you back this on. This was again. a delight. This was an honor. And be well and safe. Oh, thank, thank you. Thank you, you too. You take care. And folks, Today we'll is be my right immunity back. day, two weeks after my second shot. Oh. Oh, I wanted to touch base on that real quick too, uh, Mike, because we talk about this all the time. Michael also had two two, vac- two vaccines. Uh, reactions? You had you, which one did you have? The uh, Pfizer, Moderna. Oh, Moderna. So did I. I had Moderna too, with no reaction to either one whatsoever. No reaction. I, I was a little fatigued on the second, and I had the requisite sore arm. Okay. I always tell people get the shots in the arm you do not sleep on. Ah, yeah. good one. Yeah. And I also found I got it in my left arm, and what I found when I was playing the guitar, and you flex. What's that muscle called? Is that the, uh, is that the, um, doctor? Is that not the abs? Is that the glutes? Is that the glutes? I think that's in your the bicep arm? that they punch it into. I thought that was the wait. Your, the muscle on your left arm is not the glutes, right? No, the glutes are your butt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, bend over, Andy. I thought I thought all these years when pe- when girls were admiring their, my glutes, they were admiring my arms. I'm like, thank you, thank you. No, no, I'm saying. You never did well in anatomy, did you? <laughs> you know, you know, no respect. You know what I'm saying? You know. Anyway, um, no, but I when I played the guitar and flex that uh, what's that muscle up there called the uh, the uh, bicep. Thank you. The, the bicep, tricep. Yeah. Yeah, one of those uh, I, two. One of them too. I would flex that whatever it is there, and I feel that feel the sore arm when I play the guitar when you flex that muscle. That was my experience. And oh, like yeah. you were saying, when you sleep on the arm, yeah. But uh, I'm I'm right with you, Michael. I'm I'm you know my whole family's done. All everybody. My mother just got her second shot at 91 years old. Everybody's finished. And uh, and, and let's move I on. I will let's move I on. will be following. I will continue to follow the guidelines. 
the masking, the distancing. I'm yeah. still not ready to eat inside of a restaurant. Mm. Haven't done right. it for a year. Very mm-hmm. wise. Mm-hmm. And I miss uh, hugs more than anything. Oh, so. I'm sending you a virtual one, sweetheart. Feel, feel my arms, darling. Feel my arms. Thank you. I call them You're cyber welcome. hugs. <laughs> yes, mm. absolutely. And sometimes, you know, when uh, I, I will ask one of my friends to give his his wife a proxy hug for me. Oh. <laughs> you, you know, um, I was going to say the, the the masking thing. Getting back to mask, yes, folks. Even even when uh, you know, I think twenty five percent of the population has had at least one vaccine. I think twelve yes. percent have had two, and a, a sixty. Uh, I just had it. I uh, lost it, but I think 66 or some. Don't quote me exactly, but I think it's right around 66 percent of the population over 65 has had uh, vaccines, and we're getting there. And it's um, you know, but but by no means, folks, by no means is this journey over. As a matter of fact, we're starting to see some spikes. We've been talking in the past few shows about the numbers kind of flattening out, uh, and and with the fear of what might happen as we move ahead with people becoming too lax. Um, in I give LA, you a rest- prediction. Go ahead. Just like flu shots, we will be getting annual COVID shots to update our protection. Yes, yeah. definitely. We, we've heard about, we've heard that on the show. We've had, we've talked about that. that that's, that's definitely, especially as this thing begins to tumble and turn and migrate and as the, manifest as itself. It, as they mutate. Yes. Yes. Definitely. Yes. Yeah. You bet. That's what we're looking at. Uh, and who knows how long? I, I don't know if this mask, this mask, um, uh, you know. I expect to wear a mask the rest of my life. Yeah, that's what, that's what, yeah. I, I wonder how long, I mean, that just might be our Just future. like in just, Tokyo, people have been doing it for decades. Yeah. 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 Yeah, absolutely. It just might be. I, I'm so used to it now that. To, to this day, I can't tell you how many times I drive somewhere and I get out of my car and I'm halfway to the store or halfway where I'm going. I forget, whoops, no mask. I got to go back to my car and I, I keep it in the driver's side door. Occasionally I have it in my pocket. I can whip it out. But I, I do that all the time. Like I drive somewhere and I'm like, well, I let, let me give you a, one parting shot, which is in these days, caution is always the wisest path. Remember that. Absolutely. It is. So true. It is. So true. It really so true. is. It is. Um, so, folks, listen, we're going to – I have to excuse myself here for a minute because uh, I'm like – uh, I'll run. Whoa. <laughs> Sorry well, about Andy. that. Yeah, um, you know, I tell no, you, we'll I said, warn I got, next time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, really. But um, we will be back, folks. i got to play this spot here, and we're going to return to the show again. Michael Tierson, thank you so very much, and we will be in touch Thank directly. you for having thank me, you. Andy and Amanda. You're All welcome, the best, man. Thank, thank you. And, folks, we'll be right back after this. Dear Mainland, aloha. My brother and I know all about your to-do list, but have you also considered making a to-don't list? Like don't forget hang time with your ohana. Don't forget to step outside every now and then. And don't forget the big wave golden ale. So maybe you make a to-don't list today, yeah? Put it on your to-do list. Good one, brother. One life, right? Mahalo. Longboard Island Lager and Big Wave Golden Ale from Kona Brewing. Kona beer, folks. We talked about Kona beer. Um, we thought it's it's my beer of choice uh, at Total Wine. You go to the refrigerator section and get the variety pack. That's the one I recommend. And Amanda has yet to have Kona beer because they don't have it there yet, do they? 
I know, it's so sad. I really want to try it, Andy. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I can really I'm use one right now. Yeah, bring it yeah. the weekend, you know. <laughs> I, I, I want that. I will do my best. I will do my best to get it over to you. Um, oh, anyway, I was going to say something. Do you remember what I was going to say? Um, this usually happens, but as per usual, I'm sorry, darling. I failed you once I am Dracula, and I welcome you to my house. Mm. Oh, thank what you. What is that? You're welcome. Thank you, You're welcome. Appreciate it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, um, so we were going to talk about some more news, right? Is that where you were yes, going? Yes, can you yeah, continue? Continue. I'm sorry. Yes. Yes. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. Very good. Um, That's what I thought. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm doing so well here, you know. Yeah. I did want to say that um, we, my, Michael Pearson and, and Amanda and I were just talking about um, the COVID and the vaccines and what's going on uh, w- with the vaccines. And, and we're seeing now many businesses beginning to roll back um, some restrictions. Um, and we're starting to see larger gatherings, and and I think I think there's a just an, an, an air travel, by the way, has has zoomed over the last week almost to the level of of pre-COVID, almost to wow. level. As a matter of fact, uh, I'm going to visit. As a matter of fact, I hope to get in touch with Michael, and I'm sure I will. But I'm going to to the East Coast uh, end of April. I just told Michael before the show or yesterday, whatever. But I'm hoping to plan a trip to the end of April to get my ticket soon. But the fares are still reasonable. But anyway, um, yeah, people are starting yeah. to travel and fly all over the place. And and I don't know the restrictions. International travel restrictions are still up there. Um, but uh, we're starting to see a lot more gatherings. We're starting to see a, a laxer attitude. Um, mm. throughout the country. Uh, Florida, of course, as we've all seen that on the news, I don't have to reiterate what, what's already out there, uh, what's going on down there with the spring breakers and the clubs and the restaurants. And I think what's going to happen um, is we're going to see some spikes and we're going to see um, people who are right now as living and breathing as we are here, sitting here, that will not be with us because of what of what's going on now with just the overall, um, the lax. Uh, I think feel the, the environment is just, but yeah. but it's not over, folks. It, this is not over, and, and please mm. be be safe and please be reasonable. And, and as, as we were saying before the break, uh, caution. Use use caution. We and, have. Um, I mean, it's it's getting it's getting intense to the point where we hear about everybody just relaxing way too much right now, and it's making it's making myself nervous because I'm so concerned about everybody. You know, obviously, I, I I don't want to experience COVID, sure, but I'm concerned about everyone. I really want everyone to be safe, and it's so easy just to throw that that caution to the wind and say, oh, you know what, I'm going to be fine. I'm not worried. And then, you know, you could end up passing it on to somebody who's completely vulnerable without you realizing it, and before you know it, you know, we've got we, everything's mm-hmm. it's jumped right back up again. Yeah, you know, the, the experts, and I'm not, I'm not talking about... Um, you know Donald Trump here, folks. You know, I'm talking about the real <laughs> experts. The real, <laughs> uh, the real experts um, say uh, that there are two barriers that are really standing in the way of um, of our as a population of reaching what has been referred to as herd immunity. You know, we have a, a, a 70% of the population that's been vaccinated that has recently had and recovered from. Uh, this virus, um, but there's been a couple of things that are that are blocking us from getting back to life as we knew it. And what those two variants um, are, those two those two obstacles, if you will, um, 
are vaccine hesitancy. In other words, people who have come out in interviews and said, I'm not getting a vaccine. I ain't got to get a new shot. I ain't going to get new vaccine. I get this yeah. thing just like a cold. And, and I get, yeah. and I, I'm not, that's just what I, I'm not, I'm not trying to uh, denigrate any particular stratus of our society or, but, but quite honestly, that's what comes over the air when you listen. Why are you getting a vaccine? And that's what you hear. Well, I, I just like yeah. the flu. And I don't get a flu shot. Yeah. I ain't getting no no COVID nineteen shot. And, yeah. and 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 I said that half seriously, but that's really how, you know, I'm not making it up. That's what people say. And yeah. uh, and these are folks that just are not informed, or just not educated, um, are not enrolled in two things. One thing is how this vaccine works, which is completely unique unto its own, never ever been done before. This is not like a flu shot. It doesn't work like a flu shot. It, 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 it sends a coded message to your DNA and RNA. It, it tells your body that if this spike protein, which we've gone to the biology of that way back when, if this, broke, this spike protein uh, invades um, your body, uh, cells do not let it in. Just let it bounce around. You know, it can invade the body, but don't let it do anything once it gets here. And then the cells, uh, then the, the spike protein just kind of does nothing. And, and that becomes the end of it. What they thought for a while, folks, is that um, you can get this virus if you're vaccinated and it won't do anything to you. It won't kill you for sure. If yeah. it does anything at all, it won't kill you. Um, yeah. But you can still infect somebody else because you are in fact infected. So even though it's not doing anything to you, you're still, you're, you're infected as though, and yeah. if you didn't, if you didn't have the vaccine, you'd be sick or could die. But you're not going to because you're vaccinated and your body now has a a genetic code that says we're ignoring you. Do what you want. We're ignoring you. Right. But you can still infect somebody else. So now what they've realized over the past couple of months is when this spike protein goes into your biology, into your chemistry, into your physiology and bounces around and can't do anything, it becomes harmless itself. And even if you exhale it or cough, it becomes harmless harmless to the person who inhales it next to you. And that's what's come out. And, and I'm not a scientist. I am not an expert. I'm not going to say I am, like some people who do who aren't. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> I'm not. Yeah. So, so again, look into everything. And I've said this since the beginning of the show. You know, check. You know, we source everything we say. You do the same. You source every if you care to do so. But, but we we yeah. do source everything we talk about. Almost. I'm, I'm not not 100 percent, but almost everything we say on the show we do source and 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 try to comment on what is really out there in the real world as the truth, not what news reporters say it is. That's kind of absolutely. And if you, you you know, if you feel like you you can't get on board with what we're saying here on the show, then please, by all means, do your own research to, you know, come to your own conclusions about it and and, and feel safer knowing that you've looked Mm -hmm. into things because we don't expect to trust everything we say. Sure. But we are confident in, in what we share. And sometimes, yes, we do get things wrong, but we try our best to put the right information out there and help people. Um, and, and, and what we're, you know, and what, what we're seeing, and, and the reason what, why we're talking about this, why, why Michael was talking about it uh, before he uh, left the show earlier today. Um, it seems like earlier today, but it was actually just a couple minutes ago. God, it was great having him on, wasn't it? Is he great or what? He was amazing. I was such a pleasure to, to finally meet him, yes. Yeah. He's great. But anyway, what we were just talking about before the commercial break is that uh, we're starting to see restrictions being lifted in so many parts of the country. Um, We're seeing travel at an all-time high uh, since before COVID. 
people already going back to their pre-pandemic normal. Um, and it's concerning. It's concerning to me, just as a citizen and as somebody who has, I'd like to say, somewhat of responsibility as being a commentator to the audience that we have, Amanda and I, um, of having that responsibility that goes along with that. You know, we do have listeners. We take credence in what we say on our show, mm, um, yeah. even though we do have an awful lot of fun. Um, but still, when we, <laughs> you know. Um, yeah. But we have a pretty narrow window of opportunity to take to, to make clear what the benefits of vaccinations are, and what you know what's happened, Amanda. Um, I, I forget if I said this before in a previous show that the former presidents uh, Bush, Clinton, not Carter, who else is there? Bush. Yes, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> who allowed? Clinton was that? in the Bush with Obama. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> As I was saying, who's that other guy? Let me see. Bush, Clinton, and uh, who's the guy? Uh, Obama uh, recently recorded a PSA encouraging people, reminding people to wear masks. And uh, Donald Trump was not part of that group. He did not participate in that PSA. You'll be seeing that broadcast. And um, and that's what I was saying earlier that the people who don't you say, I'm not getting vaccinated because they don't trust it. They don't believe it. I didn't get a flu vaccine. You're just being stupid. They're being plain stupid. You know something? When Mandy and I, and you could, I just checked, there are archives of our show that go back to our debut on April 15th of 2020, right? And Mandy joined the show in July, June or July, I think. You, you, Mandy, yeah. It was, yeah, it was right anyways, around that time. But yeah. early on, and not, not long after Amanda first joined the show, we would sit here just like we are right now. And the two of us would say how we're not getting this vaccine. Imagine yeah. I said, I'm not getting it. No, I'm not getting it. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not going to get it. You know, I'm not getting it. I'm going to wait. I'm going to wait and see, man. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not doing this thing. And we would sit there and say, yeah, let's, let's uh, wait a year or two. Let's see what people, you know, happens. You know, they say it's harmless. It's not going to do anything. Um, well, I'm not going to be the guinea pig for this thing that uh, had to get the emergency authorization to get used. Um, I got two vaccines. Everybody in my family got vaccines. Most of my friends are vaccinated, yeah. right? No reaction. This thing has been proven to work. Believe me, I'm coming from somebody, and so is Amanda. Amanda has not been vaccinated yet, but will, right, when you have the opportunity, I think? Am I right Absolutely, about that? Absolutely, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. Amanda will get vaccinated. And, folks, if you have the opportunity, don't worry about which one it is. If you have the opportunity, jump on it. Do this thing. It's the only way we're going to beat this virus. It is an enemy of, of our species. We can beat it, but the only way we can beat it is if we beat it together, if we beat it as a species, as a population, folks. Listen to my words. Listen to my words. If the opportunity arises to get vaccinated, jump on it. Jump on it. And what yeah. they're doing now yeah. is um, making it possible for everybody uh, 16 and older to, to get vaccinated um so i know some don't have the opportunity the, the vaccine even though it's being distributed all over there are some that that for one reason or another do not have the opportunity to jump on it right now but please folks um we can beat this we can prevent people from dying who are living right now they're living breathing doing things enjoying life have families friends blah 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 um they're living now and we can prevent them, their lives from coming to an end yeah uh, you know to be perfectly blunt get vaccinated yes do you think yeah. I drove that home enough, Amanda? I think I can be done with that now. Absolutely. And think? I mean, I, um, in the past 24 hours, experienced somebody very close to me losing someone to this COVID situation. 
so it's been quite mm. dramatic. And, you know, I would reach to all of you from my heart and just for ourselves, but to think about our people who are scared of this, vulnerable to this. We have a responsibility as uh, a race together, as one, to to try and overcome this. It's a huge yeah. responsibility, I know, and scary, I know. We want our lives to go back to normal. I know, I feel it, I understand. We're all in the same boat together, but we've got to try to do the right thing. We do, we do. And uh, I know our show is winding down. I wanted to mention, uh, uh, and we'll talk about this next week, uh, former president, speaking of former president, George W. Bush said that January 6th U.S. Capitol insurrection left him sick to his stomach. Uh, I want to talk more about that. I want to talk about uh, Andrew Cuomo, the governor of New York, as we did our um, our last show. I want to talk about current White, White House, White House, this, fill out Andy. Um, White House staffers being asked to resign or work remotely after revealing past marijuana use. Um, so much to get uh, in touch with. This has been the extended Freaky Friday show, uh, Amanda. This has been our two-hour show. Um, and we're winding it down. And um, it's just been been such a pleasure. Um, not a boring moment in the show. No, seriously. Um, <laughs> This is the part where people start to fade out, right? Like, oh, the show's coming to an end. No, no, no. You know, um, and, and Cornell Butler hasn't been able to join us much this week, and we miss Cornell on the show. He's our show coordinator. We we always try to give him kudos because we would not be doing this if it were not for Cornell Butler. And uh, and Cornell might be listening. I'm sure Cornell, Cornell told me he goes to sleep at night listening to the rebroadcast of our shows. So, Cornell, uh, thank you so much, buddy, and sleep tight. Um, Absolutely. And um, yeah, and just remember who is the greatest of all time. Donald Trump may be the greatest of all time. Greatest of all time. Just remember that, folks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just remember if anybody ever asks you, it's not Andy and Amanda, it's Donald Trump. That being said, um, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I made no, 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 it's been happening to me. Way up, then it went down. You know what I'm saying? Uh-oh. We got to talk more about that, that too. Yeah. We we got we got to fix that. All right, listen. Um, okay. <laughs> <laughs> you are my I'll internet send, wife. Send over a thing for you, darling. <laughs> but you got to send me. You are my internet wife. You should be concerned. Listen. Uh, <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> now listen, Time folks. We got to wind. Time and place. <laughs>